Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm so thrilled that you chose to spend part of your weekend with us. My name's Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. And we are smack dab in the middle of this 12-week series, the longest we've ever done at DHC. And we're on week five, and the series is called The Big Story. And one of the things that we've been doing here at Downtown Harbor Church, and you can see those Bibles on a lot of your chairs in the room. If you don't have one, just grab one around you, right? We put these there so that you all would have these to take home if you wanted one. Maybe you don't have one, or maybe you're tired of looking up stuff on your phone. And so we wanted to provide these so you could join in with us if you wanted to. So feel free to take one if that is the desire of your heart. But one of the things that we started to do, because people have told us, you know, hey, I really wanted to start reading the scripture. I don't know where to dive in. It's boring to me. Where, where can I actually dive in with this? So we crafted this series called The Big Story talking about kind of answering this question, right? How does this all tie together? From start to finish, if we look at all these guys and girls that we've heard their names throughout our course of time together, Jesus, Paul, Peter, Noah, Moses, really at the end of the day, we ask this question, right? How does this all tie together? How does this all fit together? And what we've been doing as a part of the big story is we've just been answering that question. And hopefully you're enjoying this and following along with us, right? Because on week one, what happened was we talked about how God created the world and everything in it, and how God created those first two human beings, the first two human beings to ever live, called Adam and Eve. And sometime later, that Adam and Eve would have a descendant, and that descendant's name was Abraham. And that God said to Abraham, you, Abraham, will be blessed. Your descendants will be blessed. They will be called the nation of Israel, my blessed people, right? And that's what we did on week one. But Abraham had a descendant, and Abraham had a descendant, and his name was Jacob, one of the fathers of the Israelite people, right? And Jacob actually had a son who we talked about on week two. Jacob had a son named Joseph, and Joseph was that famous guy who you might remember, who persevered through thick and thin, who had that famous coat, the coat of many colors that was mentioned in that famous Broadway musical. And then the next week we talked about a guy by the name of Moses because Joseph actually had a descendant in some way called Moses and that Moses was the person when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. And by the way, if you think I'm going through a lot of information, I am. If you want to catch up, all of our messages are online at soflochurch.com. But Moses went to a guy named Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And the people were actually led out of slavery in Egypt. And then last week, Christina, who's our family ministry lead, she just absolutely killed it as she talked about the life of a guy named David. Well, before I even tell you about David, let me just tell you that it looks like these people are kind of close in time. Between Moses and David, let me just tell you this, a lot happened, okay? And so you want to kind of go back there and look that up if you need to and kind of research that on your own. There was a lot that happened between Moses and David. But David was that shepherd boy who slayed Goliath with a stone, who actually would become king. And then throughout his life, he was a powerful warrior. Throughout his life, as his life went on, he kind of let the power get to his head, made some unwise decisions, and actually ended up in a very kind of triangle of a mess with a woman by the name of Bathsheba and had her husband put out to the battlefield to be killed and ended up displeasing God. But he still loved God at the end of his life. And sure enough, that leads us to today. 
because David actually had a son with that woman that I just mentioned named Bathsheba. But we came to a point in time where at the end of David's life, much like at the end of every one of our lives, David died. But as I mentioned, David had a son, his second son, in fact, with that woman named Bathsheba, who was who we're going to talk about today. Today's object, because listen, I'm a props guy, much to the chagrin of the people who load in and out of this building, I love my props, okay? And today's props is, or today's prop is a book, because David's second son, who we're going to talk about today, is named Solomon. And when David died, something happened with Solomon, right? Solomon actually became king. Solomon became king. And so if you want to follow along with us in the Bible, you can actually open in the Old Testament to the book of 1 Kings. That's where we're going to start today. Or you can, as always, follow along on any mobile device. Or as always here at DHC, the scripture will be on our screen. 1 Kings is in the Old Testament. And sure enough, it talks about what happened as David died. Here's what it says. 1 Kings 2, chapters, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. As the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I love this. This is so key. Don't miss this. I am going where everyone on earth must someday go. That's encouraging, right? Okay. Take courage and be a what? Be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God, and follow all his ways. Even though David had fallen, David had messed up, David had a heart after God. His heart was in love with God. He wanted his own son to continue to follow the law of God. He said, keep the decrees, commands, regulation, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. Solomon, keep the law of Moses, keep the law of our God, continue to follow after him, right? Well, let me tell you about what the scripture says about Solomon. So as we kind of dive into this, let me just give you a fact about what the Bible says about Solomon and what it's kind of widely known as, right, in culture and in history. Solomon is widely known as the wisest man to ever live. He is widely known across the board as this man who's filled with wisdom, well, what does the scripture say about that? In 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 through 30, it says this, God gave Solomon very great, very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the east and the wise men of Egypt. So this guy was wise. I would want to figure out if this was the wisest man to ever live. What did he have to say? If he was getting stuff right, I want to know, what does this guy have to say? So, but I also want to know, why did he have this wisdom? Why did he actually have this blessing from God? Because he asked for it. And the scripture talks about Solomon asked God for wisdom. In fact, in the book of 2 Chronicles, right, it says this. God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire, wanting wisdom, and you have not asked for, don't miss this, this is so key, guys. And you've not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies. And since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you. 
And I will also, because you've asked for wisdom, wow, don't miss this, because you've asked for wisdom, I will also give you wealth, right? Possessions and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had and none after you will have. Solomon was a king who had wealth and possessions and honor, even though he didn't ask for it. The only thing that he asked for was wisdom. And that proves to us even more that when we make wise decisions and root our life in wisdom, that those things, those good things that could come to us will come. Why the book? Why is this today's object? Here's why. Because if you're the wisest man to ever live, wouldn't you think and wouldn't God lead you at some point to share this wisdom with other people? Today's object is a book because Solomon was a writer, which is what I love about this person so much. He wrote down these things that God had given him so that people after him could learn from them and grow from them. And Solomon in the Bible, right, wrote two books These two books are so cool and so unique, and I want to talk about them, right? Solomon wrote these two books, and the two books were Song of Solomon, right? Song of Solomon was one of his books that he wrote. Some of you might know it as Song of Songs. In different translations of the Bible, this book is called different things. So there's Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. And then Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, which you've probably heard of at least at some level before. Well, why did he write these two books? And what are these two books rooted in? It's important for us to understand what these two books are rooted in because they're very simple things, but they're so powerful and impactful once we understand what they're written about and why he wrote them, right? This message today is going to be different than any message we do in this series, and I love this so much, so just hang in with me, right? Because these two books were written about love, and wisdom. Very simply, they were written about love. And and when I say love, I mean the physical connection, right, between two people and what they experience together. This physical attraction and connection called love. And then the other book is rooted in wisdom. And I just believe this. I just believe this. Stay with me. If a king of ancient Israel, who was the wisest man to ever be known, was passionate about these things, we should be too. We should be too. So within the right context, right? And I talk about this happening in the right context. I do believe that the best context that this should happen in is within a marriage relationship, right? Let's talk about Song of Songs, Song of Solomon. Now, I'm just warning you real quick. Buckle up, okay? Because here I go. The old boy's putting the pedal to the metal. Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Here's what it says. This is Solomon's Song of Songs. More wonderful than any other. Seems reasonable, right? It goes on. Chapter 2. Kiss me. Kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. That $4.99 Moscato at Publix, cheaper than that, or sweeter than that, right? Okay, and this book just details, right, the exchange of love between two people. And I mean the physical exchange of love between two people. And more than likely, if you've read any part of this before, you may have just glossed over it because you're like, wow, I don't know if I should dive into this. Because this book, Solomon, what he writes about 
it gets graphic, okay? It gets graphic. These two people's connection with each other gets very physical and very intimate. It goes on. It says, you are beautiful, my darling. You are beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates. Like a, you have a pinkish hue, okay? Behind your veil. And then it goes on. It goes, you are slender like a palm tree, and your breasts are like its clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm trees and take hold of its fruit. It's getting hot in here. I mean, I don't know if you guys are... Get some water here, please. Water. My wife was in the first service and so embarrassed, like sitting in the back row. She, I cannot believe he's doing this, like from this stage. But this is what it says, right? Climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. I said, I'd like to climb the tree later, Caitlin. She's like, get out of here. What's the matter with you? Here's the point. It goes on and on. It goes on and on. And, and like, if you read these chapters in this book, you're just like, this is in the Bible? Like, you're just like, you're going, what? Real okay, like I mean, should I be reading this? It's there, guys, for a reason. Because I just believe this. I believe this about this emotion. And I said that in the right context is where people should experience this. But I believe that being in love and experiencing love is good. I believe it's part of the human psyche. I believe that's the way that we're wired. We're wired to be physically intimate, right? And that is something that human beings just have deep within them. And Solomon wrote about it, in my opinion, because it was a good thing. It was a very good thing. Love was the first thing he wrote about. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that at the end, so stay with me. But I want to kind of shift gears and move on to the book of Proverbs. Now, I want to say something before we begin. At Downtown Harbor Church, one of our things that we believe in over and over is wisdom. In fact, we believe in wisdom so much, we talk about it a lot around here. In fact, we start asking ourselves the question around here at DHC, hey, not is it the right decision or the wrong decision, not is it legal or is it permissible, but we ask ourselves, hey, what is the wise thing to do? You may have heard that before, and I can guarantee you very few things from this stage, but I'll guarantee you this, you will hear us say that again. Don't miss this. But as we were kind of crafting this message and we were taking a look at what to kind of pull out of the book of Proverbs for this message, because there's so much there. There's so much wisdom in this ancient book written by Solomon. So what we did is we kind of pulled out the top five themes. And so if you're a note taker or you're a picture taker of the screen, I would encourage if you're listening online, now's the time that you probably want to do that because we pulled out five themes that we just think if you put into practice in your life that your life will be different because of. That if you put these things into practice in your life, that wisdom related to these issues will enter your life and heart and things will be different. Before I go into the five themes, let's take a look at how this book starts. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says this, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. So 
we kind of sifted through the book. And we're like, what are some of the top themes in Proverbs? What are those five themes that we actually might kind of resonate with more than any other? And I'm just going to be honest with you guys, because rarely do I sit on this stage and have moments like the one that we're about to have together. So don't miss this. Everybody look up here. Don't miss this. Some of you are about to be point blanked right between the eyes, okay? And it's not by me. It's by God. I truly believe God works in that way. But some of you have been dealing with stuff for a long time, and it's time to get it right. It's time to start making wise choices related to some of these things. And I am about to point blank a lot of you in different ways right where you're at. So don't miss out on this, okay? This is a big deal, right? Because the first thing I want to talk about in Proverbs is this. It's trust. And here's what I want you to know. Some of you are scared. Sometimes I'm scared. Some of you live in fear. Because you're like, I don't necessarily know if God is calling me to this or if I should do this. And you've been thinking about things for a long time. And you need to have more trust in God. You need to understand that he will lead you somewhere and he will never leave your side if he's called you to do it. And in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I just believe this. I believe that some of us in this room know that we're supposed to do something in our life, and we haven't moved in a long time because we're scared, because we don't have enough trust in God that he will bring us to where we need to be. Proverbs tells us, even though it may take some time, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's time to get it done. Trust. The first theme in Proverbs that is so, so key and so true. Here's the second one is this. It's friendships. And this is kind of a fun one, right? This is kind of something that is just, you know, interesting to think about. But Proverbs talks about friendship a lot. Here's what it says before I launch into this in Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now, I'm not saying, don't misunderstand this before I go into it. I'm not saying that you need to always uh, ditch the old gang and kind of never hang out with your buddies from high school who are living in the same town and drinking all day on the couch. You know what they're doing, okay? You've been there. You know exactly who I'm talking about. And a lot of you are smiling because you can picture some names right now. I'm not saying that you can't ever interact with them. They need you. But here's what I want you to know, right? If you want to soar with eagles, don't hang around with turkeys, Okay. And that's the truth. It's just like, I mean, people will weigh you down who you surround yourself with. It's so key. And so I believe Solomon wrote about this so that we could surround ourselves with the people who are going to lift us up, who are going to keep us above water, who are going to encourage us to make wise decisions, who are going to help bail us out when times are bad and are never going to leave our side. That's the key about friendship. I just love this eagles and turkeys thing because it's so true. Like, I know some people who say it, but I mean, you know who those turkeys are, right? And, and there's a, who are not going to encourage you to make the right calls or the right choices. Losers, okay? Here's the deal. Friendships is a key theme in Proverbs for a reason. Trust. Friendships. And then this one's just hard. There's no way around this, but Solomon wrote about it. God spoke through his pen, so we want to bring it up. Trust, friendship family. 
And sometimes things that people have done to us should be unforgivable. And sometimes our hearts are broken in two and it hurts. But here's what Proverbs 17, 17 says. Friends love through all kinds of weather and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. Because at the end of the day, do you know why things hurt so bad related to your family? Because it's deep. It's personal. It's emotional. They should not betray me, you think. And so this is difficult for all of us. How do we reconcile that? How do we never leave? How do we stay engaged? It's just very difficult. But it's there because Solomon talks about it. And then the fourth one, so we have trust, friendship, family. This is key for some of you, right? This is so key, this next one. And I'm not like pointing fingers in the room because I don't know all the people in this room, but some of us deal with this, and this is a bad one to deal with. You got to get this right. The fourth theme that we want to bring to the surface is this, anger. Some of you got problems, okay? Some of you got a violent temper, and some of you lose it real quick, and you go from zero to 100 overnight, right, in a minute, and you're going, man, I got to deal with my rage issue, especially on I-95 South, okay? Because I under, I mean, I get I-95, I get, and here's the, can I just, for a second, who in the world put those things on I-95 South that you can't get around, and you're swearing under your breath, you know what I'm talking about, going, who at the city did this? Okay, I need, we gotta, all right. So, Proverbs 15.1 says this about anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And a lot of us, real quick to lose our cool. A lot of us are real quick to slam doors. A lot of us are real quick to throw something. But the scripture tells us, hey, you know what you need to have? Gentleness, kindness, especially if you want the book of Song of Songs to work in your life, okay? You're going to need some gentleness and kindness in your life. Don't put up the next word yet because I'm just going to, this is so key that I just need to say this and I'm going to point blank some of you in this room right now. There are some of you who've been dealing with this next one for way, 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 way too long. There are some of you who are dealing with this next issue that Proverbs talk about, Proverbs talks about, and it's time to say, I'm going to get it right. It's time for some of you in this room to go, enough is enough. Because this next issue that I'm going to put on the screen tears more marriages apart than any other issue outside of infidelity. And this next issue that I'm going to put on the screen is so divisive in relationships and can ruin or make your life if you let it. And some of you have been letting it ruin your life for far too long. And you're living in fear and you have insecurity securities because of it, and it's time for it to stop. It's time for you to start getting this right, and it's money. I've sat across from too many people at the table having coffees or happy hours or dinners, and people just go, I'm broke. I, I, can't, I can't pay my bills. It's time to get this right. I've had it with having these conversations, not because I don't love everybody and not because not everybody's here. A lot of people are here, gang. Most of society's here. This is why American Express is in business, okay? But I want you to know that it can destroy your life if you let it. Proverbs 22, 7 says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. 
if you're riddled with debt, and I talk about this, this is so cool because I get to talk about this with couples as we do premarital counseling and we talk through this and it's so neat to see people who are starting this journey in their life, right, to talk about how to get it right early because it's hard to dig out of a pile. It just is. But when you are in debt, when you are in debt, the Bible calls you a slave. Yikes. And then it says this, and I want to tell you personally just about me real quick and I don't do that quite that often, but I just believe this. Proverbs 3.9. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. Since Caitlin and I were very young, I was 18 when I started this. She was younger than me. I think she was probably 16 when she started this practice. We have given the first 10% of our income to the local church. Very, being very honest, we have. You can look in my bank account if you want to. It's just something that we believed in. And one of the things that I'll never forget about my now wife is that one day, because I've always worked at the local church, she asked me if I could drop her tithe check off. And I said, you know, it's interesting you use that word. People don't usually use that word a lot. And she goes, well, I've just grown up with it. It means a tenth. That's what it is. Here, can you drop it off for me? She was in high school at the time and worked at an ice cream shop. And I'll never forget, I opened up the check, and it was $5.40. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter how much it was. It was the principle that she understood to give. And a lot of people at local churches, especially because we don't talk about this a lot around downtown Harbor Church, giving and money are just not something that we bring to the surface a lot. Why? Because it's awkward for people, especially if it's your first time here today. You're like, I knew it. I'm coming in, and they were going to talk about money. Like, of course the guy was talking. But here's the deal. So people ask me, well, do you want us to give to your church, DHC? Yeah, we have expenses. We get, this place is expensive. I don't care, though, if you give to us or not. That's not the point. The point is, is that you get the principle and that you honor God in your life. It's not about us. That's the point. And so it's so key. And I will tell you something. God has blessed my life in an exponential way. Things that I could never explain or understand. And I firmly believe, because the scripture calls us to test him in this, I firmly believe the only reason is not because it had anything to do with me, but because we decided from a young age to honor him first. And that's something that I believe in. And there may be some of you in this room who go, I disagree. Okay, that's all right. DHC, we disagree around here. That's cool. That's just what I believe. I just believe it will change your life. So related to giving to the church or giving to God, that's between you and him. But you know what is between you and your spouse and your friends and those around you? Get in your financial house in order. Get it in order. You guys have had these issues, and I've had these issues for too long. It is difficult to navigate through. It's time to make changes. That's what Solomon said. He said, get it right. So at Downtown Harbor Church, related to wisdom, we always bring this right to the surface, and I think it's so important for us to understand. Because the truth is, what's different for each one of you is going to affect you in a different way. So we say, in light of my past experiences... In light of my current circumstances and then my future hopes and dreams, because every one of you is different in that way. In light of my past, where I am in the present, and then where do I want to go, here's what we ask ourselves, not what is right or wrong, not what is legal or permissible, not what is ethical or moral. We ask ourselves, what is the wise thing to do? Change your life. It will change your life. 
Trust me. I am a living, breathing example of trying to filter decisions through this question, and it will change your life. That's why Solomon wrote about it. Why did Solomon write the Proverbs? Why did he take the time to write that down? I just believe that God, through his pen, I firmly believe this, because he knew wise choices would lead to a better life. They lead to a better life with less regret and less circumstances that you don't want to be in. They just lead to less regret. They lead to more happiness. And I believe God wants his creation to be what? Happy and enjoying themselves and enjoying what he created. What's the practical? Every week at Danton Harbor Church, we put this word on the screen. What's the practical? I just believe this, guys, related to all issues in your life. This is not just about one or two things. This is about all issues. What's the practical? Simply this. Make wise choices. Your life depends on it. It does. Day in, day in. I'm not talking about your physical life, but maybe it is your physical life. But the choices that you would make week in and week out those decisions that you make are going to make or break your life. Trust me. Try it. If you've been down and out, you know what bad decisions will allow you to become. Make wise choices. Your life depends on it. And what I love about Downtown Harbor Church is the fact that all of us would have a chance to do this together. That there are many of us who sit and engage with each other and just talk about their past and where they've been and where they want to be and how wisdom can infiltrate that and change things. Solomon, even though this message was different, is a huge part of this big story. He wrote to us in ways that we can never understand or imagine. But if we put that into practice in our lives, everything will be different. Wisdom, it's old, it's ancient, but oh boy, it works. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks for who you are. Thanks for what you do in our lives. Thank you for the life of Solomon, this ancient leader. And God, there was so much that we did not say about him. But thank you for his life. Thank you that you inspired him, and that he asked for wisdom and you gave it to him. Thank you that he had the courage to write that down and we can still learn from it today. And God, I just pray because I know that your presence is in this room. We feel your presence. I pray that those in this room who have issues related to the ones that we were talking about today, they would finally put a stake in the ground and resolve those issues. They would start to make better and wiser decisions related to those issues. Guide their life, help their life, be present in their life. And Jesus, we will be so quick to give you all the glory. We ask this all today in Jesus' name. Amen.